This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good morning. Welcome to Monday Morning Thunder. I am Ben Mertens from Welcome to Loud City. Joining me on the other line is Reed. What's up, Reed? Nothing much, man. How's it hanging? Not too bad. Reed, how do you say your last name for the people at home? Baloo, like the uh, bear on Jungle Book. Baloo the bear. Reed Baloo the bear. All right. Reed Baloo the bear. Let's jump right into it. The Thunder had two games this last weekend. Friday night at the Jazz. I'm sorry, home against the Jazz was a thriller. Double overtime. They won by one point. Home again Saturday night against Sacramento where they lost in another thriller, missed a last second attempt to tie the game and up losing by three points. What did you see this week? What was just your big takeaway from these two games? Um, I guess like with the, the jazz game was especially cool. I guess I always pay attention to that matchup just because I feel like we really got outclassed last year in the yep. playoffs. And so uh, maybe it's, you know, I, for me, it's a cool marker. Cause it's like, if we can beat this team now, maybe that means, we've improved um, because we lost to them pretty bad. And it's always fun to watch the Joe Ingles, uh, Paul George matchup. That's, I mean, Joe Ingles really, you know, it may be taboo to say this in our little niche of the world, but really got the best of them last year in the playoffs. Yeah. Nobody and, wants to admit that in a Thunder fandom, yeah, but if you watch this it, series, he, Joe Ingles, the accountant did straight up outplay Paul George in that series. Yeah, totally. Just soccer dad goes nuts. Um, <laughs> And even, like, played, like, great defense on him. I mean, he was just a better player, end of story. And I know that Joe Ingles, like, really crossed up Paul George bad, and that kind of went made its rounds on NBA Twitter. And people were saying things like, you know, here's your defensive player of the year getting crossed up by Joe Ingles. But that two things are, like, I have qualms with there. One, that discredits how good of a player Joe Ingles is. Yep. He's amazing. Uh, and then secondly... That the whole point of a crossover is to do that, and it's going to work. Every, it, you, you can find any player. It's happened. It happens all the time. That's the thing. Like even like Rudy Gobert sometimes gets posterized, but he might be Defensive Player of the Year twice in a row because he actually tries to play defense. Like every once in a while, if you actually try to play defense, you do get embarrassed because you're playing basketball against the best basketball players in the world. But more times than not, Paul George and Rudy Gobert are getting the best of the people they're defending. So Joe Ingles had that great play. Joe Ingles also finished with 15 points on five of 10 shooting. Uh, Paul George finished with 45 points. So, you know, you do the math on that one. <laughs> and, you know, we got the thriller overtime win. So, when it, you know, all said and done, I think, you know, Paul George won his matchup again. It's fun to watch those games, too, just because I feel like, I feel like Paul George knows that he got bested last year. Yep. And he seems to really be engaged when we play against the Jazz. Um, I really love that matchup. Plus, you know, I like the Jazz. I don't. I don't hate them. I think they're a fun team, and I respect a lot of those players. So, um, that's just always kind of a marquee matchup for me. As far as like the Kings game went, Kings. Are fun. <laughs> I mean, it's just. I mean, what do you say? Uh, that that team gives us fits. Um, they cause problems for us, and I, I I tweeted this, but I wonder if it's just because. 
they're one of the few teams that we can't run off the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're the they uh, also, yeah they also the, get up and down. They're the second fastest team in the league. We're the third fastest, and it's by a, a, a difference of a decimal point in possession. So. The thing with them that's different than the Thunder, the Thunder play really fast in transition. The Kings just have five plays a game where you score on them, and they immediately take it out of the basket and throw it ahead. And even a team that like the Thunder who are good at getting back on defense, they just aren't set, and they, they steal points that way, which is frustrating and annoying to play against. Um, but, you know, I mean, good for Sacramento. They're fast, they're young, and they're able to play that pace and then get back on defense themselves. Um, for sure, yeah. Rolling back to the, the Jazz game, I thought the one thing I liked in that game was versus the playoffs last year is last year in the playoffs, the Thunder started Carmelo Anthony and Corey Brewer. Um, and this year they started, they're starting Jeremiah Grant and Terrence Ferguson, who both had really good games. Ferguson was had 12 points. Um, Grant had 18. They were combined five of nine on their three-pointers. And that was the thing last year is when Russ – well, Westbrook would get into the lane against the Jazz. Whoever was guarding Brewer or even guarding Mello was just standing there in the lane because they didn't respect those guys at all. And they were leaving Ferguson and Grant open a fair amount again tonight. Like, prove it to us. And Grant and Ferguson did. They did hit those shots. And I think that's going to be a huge marker the rest of the regular season and once we get into the playoffs is Ferguson and Grant have been hitting their threes this year. They're both shooting in the high 30s percentage-wise, but they don't have a history of doing it. So I still think in the playoffs, like, teams are going to, sag off of them pretty hard until those guys prove that in the playoff setting with the lights on them, they can hit those three-pointers. And if they can, the Thunder are really hard to guard. Um, yeah, yeah. If you can't send a second body at Westbrook and George, George has gotten really – for a guy who's known as like a shooter and a perimeter player, George is really good at getting into the lane this year. He gets a ton of and ones. He's able to get past his guy. He was he hit that stupid floater over Gobert to finish the game, but he also hit some really tough drives into the lane against Gobert all night. Um and if Grant Ferguson are able to stand in the corner and hit their threes and you can't send help, good luck. <laughs> yeah, it, it is funny to watch teams um, probably reflect what a lot of Thunder fans are still feeling. Like Jeremy Grant and, and Terrence Ferguson, I don't think anyone saw them doing the damage they can do from outside. No. And especially with... Ferguson being so young and even him just like playing in a way that it's, it's just so visible. Like whenever he was a rookie that he was nervous Mm -hmm. and he would make some, he would just make, you can just tell and you can't blame him for that. But with Jeremy Grant, his percentage this year is a huge jump. It's a, it's a total outlier in his career. There's no way that fans, I mean, even me sometimes like, but especially other teams are sitting there thinking, is this is he just been hot for a long time? How long can this go? But I think teams are starting to realize um, this is legit. And as far as Paul George getting into the lane, man, he dude, he is so he's silky smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's he's not a player that um, is gonna blow by anyone like in the same way that Russ does. But he, he's got a really amazing way of. He's got a great handle, and he uses his body to create space. And he, this is the first time in his career that I've watched him and really seen like a sense of mastery. Like you, you watch him and you think he's gonna get he he wins this matchup every time. Mm-hmm. It's been so fun to watch. Yeah, the handle, great handle, is not something you would have said about Paul George even two or three years ago. He really mm-hmm. tightened that up even this year over last year, and that changes everything because he's. 
he's in his and Westbrook's usage rates have kind of equalized this year, which was not the case even last year. And that's just because George is more comfortable with the ball in his hand instead of playing off of it. He plays off of it still more than he plays with it, but he's fine running pick and rolls or starting the, the play with the ball in his hands, which is really helpful. Um, especially on a night like last night when Dennis Schroeder, or two nights ago now, when Dennis Schroeder couldn't do anything with the ball in his hands. It's nice to have a guy like Schroeder when he's on, but Schroeder is such a, um, it's nice that we have a backup point guard. I'll say that because last year, Russ, or excuse me, Ray Felton was the backup point guard. Two years ago when Russ won MVP, Samaje Christensen, who's not in the league and might be dead, um, was the backup point guard. So having an actual backup point guard is nice, but there are just, if Schroeder's shot isn't falling, he's not like your traditional table setting point guard. And so on those kind of nights where it more falls to George to do it himself and he's able to, which is huge. Yeah. Even, even whenever Dennis Schroeder is not hot when it, well, first when he's hot, it is that team that they're just world beaters. It's three points. It's three points. Yeah, it's, it's, Westbrook's it's on the, he, yeah, totally. he feasts on second units sometimes, but whenever he, you know, just gets a, a cool nine or 10. He is probably playing the best defense of his life. And I feel like nobody's talking about that. I think, I think that he's a really solid defender. And at the very least he may gamble just like Russ does, but man, he starts guarding people right when they cross. He's an annoying defender. He'll just like decide on this possession. I'm going to pick up this guy full court press just, just to see how he handles it. And that's just annoying to play against. Yeah, you can't play it against it because it's so clearly a product of his own choosing. He, he decides, okay, now I'm about to go full court press. And he's so quick and so fast, he can do it. Agreed. Um, but so he's had two tough games in a row. And I think with Schroeder, when the playoffs get here, it's going to be, if it's a seven-game series, I think he'll have three or four games where a shot is falling and three or four games where his shot isn't falling. And the Thunder have to be able to win the games where his shot isn't falling when they get deeper in the playoffs. But... The night's where a shot is falling. If you know, Paul George gives you 35, Russell Westbrook gives you 25, and then in the minutes they're getting rest, Dennis Schroeder can just hit those elbow jumpers that he likes, then there's there's no minutes where you're like, oh, we have the advantage because this guy's off the court if Schroeder's able to give you those points. But the Thunder are going to have to find a way to survive on those nights when he's uh, not doing as well and especially survive the minutes when Paul George is on the bench, which is the one stretch they've been, the one type of... Uh, plays they've been bad at this year is they're getting pretty badly outscored when Paul George goes to the bench. Um, what do you think is like the best lineup for those minutes when Paul George is on the bench? Um, I really like, I like Schroeder and Russ together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has to be those two because they're the two guys who can create their own shot, which nobody else on the team can really do. It's who do you surround them with to, right? We got to win the eight minutes that Paul George is on the bench who are we putting out there with Schroeder and Russ so that this actually looks like a real NBA lineup? Because that's the right. problem is you get past the starting five and then Schroeder, Noah L, and then suddenly we're very low on guys who are like, this guy for sure is a real NBA player. We just added Markeith Morris and we need to see more from him, but that's the biggest I problem. Mean, yeah, on, on, on paper, it's got to be Morris. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, we'll see how he adjusts. I, I don't just like the first two games I have a hard time I'm not sure if he's bought into the Thunder's defense right now there were a couple of plays where you could the other team got dunks or easy layups because he clearly was not in the spot the rest of the team thought he was going to be which you know makes sense they run a diff they run a defense very different from the Wizards defense he was playing in before this 
um, and it sure. takes time to get used to. But that that'll get ironed out with time. It's more. I wonder what he actually is going to give them on offense because he was he's brought in to kind of take Patrick Patterson's spot because Patterson just really hasn't given them anything on that end of the court. And so if Morris is able to more reliably hit his threes or just do a little something with the ball in his hands, that's huge. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a big deal. I guess for crunch time playoffs and whenever Paul George is out, you've got to go Schroeder, Westbrook, Noel, Keith, and best case scenario, Keith buys in and starts to understand the Thunder system. He's communicating and yelling out calls just like everyone is Mm -hmm. in that third spot. um, You know, I kind of like sliding Ferguson down there. He he should be a two, not a three most of the time because he's still a skinny. He's still 20 years old. He's a skinny kid. But him, he, I think, is – he and Paul George are the only two real wings on this roster who are of definite NBA quality. Nader occasionally has big moments, but do they trust him in the playoffs? We'll see. And so I kind of think if Paul George is going to go to the bench and in the playoffs, you're cutting the rotation like seven or eight players. I kind of like pushing Ferguson down to the three and then – Especially, and then I actually kind of like keeping Grant and Adams in. Like, just essentially, Schroeder just takes George's spot, and then when George is playing without Westbrook, you can do like Schroeder, George, and that's when you play Morris and Noel. Because I do think at this point, George is more capable of carrying a bench unit than Westbrook is. Yeah, which we I, never would have said I, last I year. I agree. Yeah, and I, I hadn't thought about putting Ferguson down a position, but I think that could be. That could be a really, really cool situation because he can certainly hang with those guys. Right. It depends on the matchup. Like, if we do have to play the Lakers, you do not want Terrence Ferguson guarding LeBron James. But when you play a team like the Jazz or the Rockets where their star players are their guards and, like, they're playing, like, a Joe Ingles or um, not Trevor Ariza anymore, who's at the the three in Houston now, Uh, Amon Shumpert sometimes. Um, or Daniel House or whoever, Eric Gordon sometimes plays the three there. But when you're against those teams that are more guard-heavy or even have threes but not like LeBron James or Paul George uh, threes, then I think Ferguson is able to guard them credibly. And again, this is for seven or eight minutes at a time. It's just the minutes George is on the bench. And you've got to wonder, I'm starting to get more doubtful as the season goes on, but you've got to wonder when Roberson comes back. Yeah. Um, is he going to be a guy that can give playoff minutes to the front? coming off an injury i i think that's incredibly optimistic that would be great but i it's so hard to see that happening at this point my hope at the start of the year was like okay he'll he'll return to the lineup in like december or january but he might not be ready then but the goal is just he'll be ready for the playoffs and he hasn't even touched the court yet or done five on five practice yet or anything like that so it would be one heck of a rehab period if he was able to come back you know now and six weeks from now we're like oh this guy's ready to play in the playoffs because that's a huge thing and he that injury the patellar tendon like that's huge that's your leg you need that to rotate um and roberson is such a mobile laterally quick guy he's strong too but his lateral speed is part of what makes him such a great defender if he's even 10 percent slower coming back from that injury he's just not the same player anymore and of course he's never given them anything on offense yeah it would it would be It'd be pretty amazing if he was able to give quality playoff minutes. It would be like a 30-for-30 scenario (laughs) where, where, you know, it's like, oh, who's this? It's Andre Roberson, and he gets a standing ovation and comes back out and then plays, you know, average defense because his leg is about to fall off or something. Yeah, it would – I don't think it's going to happen. I think at this point they may just shut it down. That way he can – 
not only be healthy, but start to regain the lateral quickness, which is going to be, you know, his biggest weapon on defense. So maybe he takes, they shut it down and he takes all the playoffs and the whole summer to try to get back and come back maybe at, you know, 85, 90% Mm -hmm. at the beginning of next year. That would be, I'd be totally fine with that. Which is the last year of his contract. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Because the Thunder are apparently going to be paying the luxury tax for the next 10 years. So I'll be in, and you know, pretty soon Terrence Ferguson is going to need a contract extension. They're going to need to pay Jeremiah Grant again. Um, assuming they keep rolling with this Westbrook George Adams core, like they got to, you need other players, and Schroeder makes a pretty penny too. So if Roberson comes back and he's not what he was, I don't know where the money's going to be for him. Yeah, I have no idea where how the Thunder will work with uh, money, and I never do. I'm <laughs> like. I'm horrible with, like, CBA-type stuff, so right, right, I'll right. leave that to the smarter people. But it always just seems like the Thunder are willing to spend. And Ever they since have, they let James Harden go, they've been actually willing to spend. They must they learned their lesson from that. Yeah, never the new policy in town, not doing that again. So we'll see. I mean, if, they, if they're fine with paying the luxury tax, I'm fine with it. I don't care. All right, we'll take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be back to talk about the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. We just finished recapping the Kings and Jazz game from this weekend. And so with those two games done with, I believe that was game 60 of the regular season was the Kings game. So they have 22 games to go. Actually, that was, excuse me, that was 59. So they have 21. Well, I'm really bad at 23 games to go. Um... What do you think, what are you going to be watching for in the last regular season games? Like, what's, what are the bellwethers, the things that the Thunder either haven't done that they need to do well or the things they've done well you want to make sure they keep doing well so that they're set up to make, like, a real playoff run this year and not losing six in the first round like last year? Yeah, I, um, I'm wondering, and I, there's no way to know if this is a coaching decision or if it's just Russ, but these last two games, Russ started shooting threes again. Yep. Um... And he hit them. He, yeah, he did hit them. But how much do you trust that? I don't know. Ben, sometimes I hit threes. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't trust it, really. Mm-hmm. And I know that the worst thing you could ever do as a Thunder fan is to criticize Russell Westbrook, but I want to win games. I don't really think letting him shoot that many threes is going to do it. And we've been a really good team this year, and he pretty much, like, quit shooting threes for a couple months after, you know, we figured out when the season started, he just wasn't going to hit them, which 
credit to him. That's there's no telling how hard that would be um, if you're a player who has certain like habits or tendencies to just quit. So I am wondering what his shot selection will look like going forward. That's a big thing that I'm kind of eyeballing. Yeah. So he hit those threes two nights ago and last night he went, I think it was six for 13 against the Jazz, five of 12 against the Kings, something like that. And every one of those, so catch and shoot threes for us, I'm okay with. He is for his career like an average catch and shoot um, three-point player. So like if Georgia Schroeder gets into the lane, the defense plays way off Westbrook and he winds up with a wide open catch and shoot and rhythm three, fine, totally fine with him taking that. He hits enough of those. And him being able to hit those is important so the team players won't sag off him as hard uh, to defend George. Other than that, the off-the-dribble threes, when he hits them, it's awesome, but he misses way more than he makes. And, like, during the Jazz game, I was running the Twitter account for the uh, for Welcome to Loud City, and I was tuning on, like, Russ is hitting these shots right now, but these are not good shots. And to your point, Thunder fans are like, why are you criticizing me having a great game? I'm like, because these are the shots the other team wants him to take. Right, Russell Westbrook pulling yeah. up from three or pulling up from you know 19 feet, those are the shots other teams want him to take. And if he hits them, they'll live with it because Paul George isn't shooting it from three instead. They don't want Russ putting his head down, getting into the lane, and either dishing it out, which he's been extremely effective at this year, he's leading the league in assists, or even when he gets into the lane, he's still pretty good at finishing at the rim this year, um, even with how bad he shot the ball from pretty much everywhere else. His shooting at the rim has been about the same it was last year, a little lower than two years ago when he won MVP, but, like, he's fine there. And when he gets there, the defense has to choose between either do we stop this guy or do we and open up the passing lane or do we play the passing lane and let Russ have a pretty good chance to finish at the rim. So taking a yeah. combined 25 three-pointers um, over two games is not how I would have wanted them to come back from the All-Star break. It's great that he hit them. And, if you know, if Russell Westbrook is suddenly a 40% three-point shooter, I don't know how it happened. I don't know what he did over the All-Star break. If that is what he is... Conversation totally changes. But this, to me, feels like the ultimate, you know, small sample bias regression to the mean is going to happen. And yeah. on the positive side for us, even aside from the three, he was shooting very well in both these games. He looks better getting to the rim than he did earlier in the season. Um, early season, when he would get out in transition, have those one-on-ones or one-on-twos or even one-on-threes because he's Russ, he would just go in too fast, the classic Western player where he goes in too fast and the ball like smacks into the backboard and flies off the rim. He was really good at finishing and transition in both of these games. When he got into the rim, he looked great. He looked like he did two years ago and he won MVP, and he was doing that multiple times a night. So he looked better all around. My worry is that the three-pointer is going to go away, which it probably is, but I hope that the improvement at shooting at the rim and the improved burst is real. And if that stays around and he takes a few less threes, then that's a better Russell Westbrook than we got for the first half of the season. And the Thunderman should be third in the West with that kind of Westbrook who was very limited scoring the ball the first half of the season. So that's something that I want to watch um, against the Nuggets on Tuesday, the Sixers on Thursday, and just going forward is like shot selection. I hope he shoots less threes, um, but also like is was this just kind of a two game? Okay, he had a week off and he's looks health and he, you know he looks well rested, or is he actually like back to being able to finish at the rim? Um, and get more importantly, get to the rim more often because he's been shooting well at the rim this year, but he's gotten to the rim less than he has in past seasons. And if he's able, if that burst is back and he's able to get to the rim easier, that changes a lot of things for the team. Yeah, I, I thought that he looked really good going to the basket, like you mentioned. And he, he seemed to, whenever the season started, it, he seemed very out of control at times. And I, I, don't, I haven't really 
figured out how an injury would make you more out of control, and maybe it did. Maybe it was just something. Who knows? I'm not Russell Westbrook, but the point is, after the All Star break, I just thought he looked so much more in control when going to the basket. He and he did look like he did in that MVP year. I mean, this was probably the best that he's played these last two games. But yeah, about the three pointers. There's nothing that opposing teams. It, if, if you're an opposing coach and you could have your pick of the litter for what you want the Thunder to do, probably pretty close to the top of that list is the ball coming up after half court and Russell Westbrook shooting a three off the dribble. I think it's that and Steven Adams deciding to shoot threes would be the two things they'd love to see. Yeah, and honestly, I would like to see that too uh, because, <laughs> because I've never seen that before. Yeah, he's never so, tried one in a game. Russell tries them quite often. Yeah, I wonder who wins in a three-point contest. <laughs> There's no way to know at this point. We don't have any data. So That's right. You, so I'm, I'm all for it. I think maybe this summer they should do a shootout. If anyone in the Thunder staff is listening, please uh, organize that. That would be good. Yeah. So with, we'll watch Westbrook the rest of the season. Obviously, Paul George being able to just keep doing what he's been doing. That Kings game, he didn't have a great game against the Kings. I'm going to give him a pass. It was about... 18 hours after the Jazz game ended, and he won that game in double overtime with that crazy floater, put up 45 in that game. I'm not worried about how he played in the Kings game. I'm sure he was super tired. You could see he shot terribly on his jumpers, and I think his legs were just tired. Um, he wasn't getting the same lift he normally would on his threes. He'll be I mean, fine a, the rest of the way. back-to-back. Yep, and the Kings, are so, uh, like we said, are so fast. Like That's not going into a back-to-back and getting to play – no offense, the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Chicago Bulls. That's this team that's going to try to run it down your throat every single play. Yeah, that's, I mean, maybe to pick, like, the worst team in the world to play after a back-to-back that's not the Warriors, you'd probably pick a team that's going to be running the ball like that. The Kings are just a nightmare whenever you're tired already. Yeah, but I think George will be fine. I'm not worried about that. Westbrook, we just talked about. I guess the other things that I am that I want to see for the rest of the regular season is the defense. The Thunder were the best defensive team in the NBA for the first two-ish months of the season, like essentially through Christmas Day. And then their defense started to fall off in January and February, and they kept winning games because it was essentially the team flipped. Their offense got way better as their defense was falling off. That was when Ferguson started hitting all his threes. Grant started hitting more threes. George went from being all-star level to MVP level all of a sudden. And that kind of papered over the fact that the defense did fall off and hasn't really recovered. I thought these were two good defensive games. The scores don't look like good defensive games because uh, the Jazz game went into double overtime, and even in regulation, the Jazz were scoring, but I thought the Thunder forced them to take the shots they wanted them to take. Donovan Mitchell went, was not efficient. He went like 13 of 35 from the field, so he wound up with 38 points, which is a great counting number, but he took 35 shots to get there. You live with that as a Thunder. I thought Ferguson did really well on him before he fouled out. I thought Westbrook did a good job taking over for Ferguson on him. I thought George played good defense on him. And so they forced other guys to beat them. And the problem was, you know, Ricky Rubio went three of fours on his three-pointers. Um, Jay Crowder had a really good game. Uh, Derek Favors, I think, only missed one shot the entire game. So the Jazz hit some shots, but they were hitting, you know, they were hitting the shots the Thunder wanted to force them to take. Like we were saying, when Russ hits threes, Opposing teams will live with that because that's the shot they want to take. The Jazz took the shots for the most part the Thunder wanted them to take. They just hit some of them. Um, but I thought that was a good sign. And same thing with the Kings game. The Kings ended up winning, but the Kings took 40% of their shots from the mid-range last night. 
and only took um, 19 three-pointers, which is very, very low for the Kings. And that was because the Thunder played really good defense. They forced them to take these tough mid-range shots. They did a good job defending the rim when the Kings got there, and the Kings hit a lot of those mid-range shots. Buddy Heald had another crazy game, which he always seems to do against the Thunder. De'Aaron Fox had a good game. Uh, Marvin Bagley gave them a lot of problems, but again, they forced the Kings to take the right amount of shots and had a chance to win that game despite it being the second night of a back-to-back after a double OT game. So I was actually relatively pleased with the defensive effort in both of those games, and that's definitely something to keep an eye on for the rest of the regular season because I think the Thunder will be able to win a first-round series with you know a great offense and an average defense, but if they want to really do damage, like make the conference finals and maybe even push the Warriors in the conference finals, they need a great offense and a great defense. Yeah, no kidding. And something else that's important about that Kings game, and I really hate to do this because it comes across as cheap, but uh, that charge call at the end, <laughs> that, I mean, that, that's a game swinger. And, of course, everybody has games they win and lose because yep. of stuff like that at some point. But I want that to be out there. I want everyone to know that we could have and maybe should have won that game based on that call. So representing for my team right now yeah i just want to say i like the kings a lot they're a fun team to watch their fans were like flooding our mentions after the game the thunder don't want this smoke in the playoffs i'm like i think the thunder would be fine playing the kings in the playoffs it might not be the funnest matchup but i i think they would be fine with that being the first round matchup yeah i mean with if the west is as stacked as it's gonna be i mean if if out of the top eight teams i'll take the kings that sounds great Mm mm-hmm so, yeah, you live with it. And, yeah, it's it's strange. I don't remember a time whenever a team, any team in the league, had at one point in the season a top five off- offense and then at a different point in the season a top five defense. And it didn't overlap at all. Like at all. Like, like a, a switch flipped and all of a sudden what we didn't expect to happen happens and – Man, it's hard as I can, you know, if you spoil your team, you're going to think about the best case scenario. But I mean, if that team, if both switches are flipped and we are firing all cylinders for the playoffs, that's, that's brutal, man. I mean, who would want to play that? For sure. And the Thunder have a very, a pretty tough set of games that close out the regular season. They have, you know, Denver and Philly, this Denver, Philly and San Antonio this week and Memphis on Sunday, which that won't be hard. Then the Timberwolves, the Trailblazers, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Nets, who are a playoff team now, the Pacers, the Warriors. I think it's pretty much all playoff teams with two or three exceptions the rest of the way. So if they are able to play great defense against you know that gauntlet of teams, that is a great sign for the playoffs because that's the caliber of team they're going to need to beat. Yeah, that's the the. I think we have one of the hardest remaining schedules. We have the hardest remaining yeah, schedule. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it's a it's a crucible. It's just every night you got to earn your stripes, and you know maybe it's not the worst case scenario where maybe we get dropped down to, uh, I don't know, maybe we stay at third or go down to the fourth seed. Maybe Portland sneaks up, and then we can turn it on in the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I think I want to stay. I want the Thunder for their own sake to stay at at least the three. It'd be great to get up the two, but they need to at least stay at the three because avoiding the Warriors until the conference finals is going to be. Oh yeah, that's how that would the work. Okay, someone yeah. else mentioned this the other day, and I forgot which which seed would be the one yeah. So it's get us that. one plays eight, two plays seven, blah blah blah. But then whoever wins four yeah, or five yeah. plays the winner of one eight. So staying in three, oh, yeah. staying as the three seed, so you get to play the Nuggets in the second round, which the Nuggets are really good, but I. Would, much rather hold off on playing the Warriors as long as possible. 
Yeah, that uh, it'd be great if we didn't have to play them. Uh, maybe, maybe the Warriors get a, a one eight with the Kings, and the Kings have played the Warriors nicely. Yep. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's another thirty for thirty waiting to happen. <laughs> the Kings who beat the Warriors in the first round. That's what I'll be hoping for. Yeah, the reverse of the uh, the We Believe scenario where the Warriors were the eight and beat the uh, <laughs> the Dirk Mavs. Um, so we've been talking about the playoffs, so let's go ahead and get into this. So the Thunder are third right now. They could finish as high as second. Maybe they drop to fourth, like we said. Don't think they'll get up to first. But So right now, the bottom of the playoff picture, the Rockets are fifth, the Jazz are sixth, Spurs seven, Clippers eight, Kings and Lakers are ninth and tenth, but only a couple games back and could get into it. Who would you most like to play and least like to play in the first round out of those six teams as the Thunder? Hmm... I um, I think with the the Clippers being as good as they were to start the season and mm-hmm. then sort of falling uh, for the last half of the season, catching a team on a downfall like that would be cool. They've weirdly uh, – they traded Tobias Harris for the deadline, and I thought mm-hmm. – they'd been falling before, and I thought that's – you know, they're pivoting into it. The Celtics have their first-round draft pick if it falls outside the lottery, so – They'll just fall into the lottery. They'll keep their draft pick. They've got all this cap space for the summer now. And they've kept winning games since then. So I do yeah. think talent-wise on paper, the Clippers lack the clear all-star player that these other teams are bringing to the table. Um, so I do think I agree with you. That's a team I'd most like to play. But they haven't – they've been winning games despite you know trading away their best player at the deadline, which is not something you see very often. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I mean, as far as entertainment goes, we'd get to see Patrick Beverly and Russ again. Oh, yeah. Well, the last time, uh, not the last time, but Patrick Beverly and Russ in the playoffs ended up costing the Thunder a shot at a championship one year, which... Ugh. Oh, yeah, that, that's rough. And, you know, Patrick Beverly went to school at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm from. So I was really a big PBEV guy until that happened, and he's become the first Arkansas pro that I've just disowned. Who else from um, Arkansas is in the pros right now? Bobby Portis. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, that's the that's the other one. And then Daniel Gafford, maybe next year. Washington Wizards legend Bobby Portis. Um, all-time great Wizard player. <laughs> <laughs> so the Clippers, I agree, would be the team I'd most like to play. Um, what do you feel about the about facing the Spurs in the playoffs? <laughs> I mean, I mean, Greg Popovich in the playoffs. I mean, I don't really care who they field that team. I don't want that. Um, I mean, I, I, Greg Popovich in the playoffs, I, yeah, I don't want that. And you never know whenever DeRozan's going to do his thing. He scares me sometimes. Um, but I mean, the West is so stacked. I mean, I might, I might want that more than I don't Kings, the Kings again, just because the Kings have played us so hard and like i don't know if i want to deal with that i know it's sacrilege to be like oh gimme popovich um but of those teams i think i would be relatively fine playing the spurs derozan maybe being in you know the great spurs system changes everything derozan has no history of good playoff performance um during his time with the raptors and derozan and aldridge like as far as star talent um, that star talent doesn't scare me a lot. Popovich scares me, and he's a great coach, but the Thunder have beaten the Spurs before. Granted, the rosters were almost entirely different when that happened. That was, you know, the Kevin Durant Thunder against the Kawhi Leonard Spurs. Both those guys are long gone. But of all the teams left in it, besides the Clippers, I do think the Spurs, I think that's a good matchup for the Thunder. 
They don't have a great wing defender to stick on Paul George, which is nice. They don't even really have... They have good guard defenders, but they don't have elite you know, guard defenders who can hang with Westbrook. They do like to play double big, so that is the situation where the Thunder's offensive rebounding advantage that we have a lot might go away, but I would be fine with that matchup. The team I want to avoid, and it's weird because they're the one team that's under 500, is the Lakers. I know they've I struggled this year. I know they have struggled this year, and LeBron was injured for part of that, and I know Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma and all those guys aren't scary for anybody. I just don't want to play LeBron James in the first round of the playoffs. I think talent-wise, the Thunder can win that series. I think it would go to six or seven, and I think you'd be exhausted for the second round series if you had to beat LeBron James in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, it would. I was just fixing to ask you about that. That would just be, I would be really nervous. Not because of, you know, if we're going 10 deep, we're the better team. And by every measure, we're we're going three deep, we're the better team, but they have the best player. Yeah, I mean, this, so this there's like a fork in the road here. If you lose, um, it's not maybe not it's it's not as horrible because it is LeBron who is right. this legendary. Like, okay, activate fifth gear, let's go in the playoffs, guy. At the same time, knocking out LeBron James uh, in the first round of the playoffs, ton of cachet. To yeah, yeah, you've got to go into the next round thinking we're the team now. I mean, that, that's going to that's gonna push the Warriors. No one's beat him in the playoffs aside from the finals since 2010, I guess that was right before he left for Miami. And it would be cool to be the first team to do that. I'm also just perfectly happy if some other team wants to be the team that does that for us and we get to play the Spurs or someone like that in the first round. It would I, be great if the first round was, uh, you know, Lakers-Warriors. Maybe yep. a, a lot of people want to see... LeBron in the Western Conference Finals, but what is obviously more realistic is to see that 1-8 with the Lakers going against the Warriors, and then that would just be that 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 would be appointment television. How that's going to be the that's got that would have to be the highest rated first round series ever. LeBron on a, the Lakers yeah. against the Warriors. It would be amazing. Yeah, if it was on pay per view, I'd pay you know maybe fifteen dollars for it. Probably it's a good price. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they'd make a lot of money. I think a lot of people would do that. I'm going to call the commish. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I guess, final ranking, I'd be most want to play the Clippers, then the Spurs, probably then the Kings, then the Jazz, and the Lakers would be the team I least want to play. And I don't think the Rockets are going to fall far enough that we'd have to play them in the first round. Yeah, I don't remember the order that you just said like five seconds ago. <laughs> but I would I would have the Jazz a little bit higher. Okay. I, I, I maybe... I've got them second. The only team I want to face less than them is the Lake, or yeah, less than them is the Lakers. I've got them second on teams I don't want to play. Yeah, I just you know anytime that like the narrative lines up where you can easily imagine a bad scenario and immediately you start thinking, oh god, this is going to be like last year. Um, I think the matchup, I'm, as we discussed in talking about the Friday game, the matchup is better this year because we're not starting Carmelo Anthony anymore. But I do huge, think the Jazz yeah. do give the Thunder lineup problems. Right, they play. Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert together a lot, which hurts us on the offensive glass where Adams normally dominates. Gobert being such a force uh, defensively in the paint is hard for Westbrook, which is why he ends up, when we played the Jazz last year, settling for more of those outside shots that we don't want him to take. And now this year, it doesn't look like Joe Ingles is going to dominate Paul George anymore, which changes things a lot. But last year, Ingles was able to outplay Paul George. So Westbrook was pretty much neutralized. George was neutralized. And Adams is neutralized. That's very bad when your three top players are all neutralized. 
Yeah, no kidding. And also just Quinn Snyder. He, he has that sort of Popovich-type um, warning label on him where he may just be a huge factor come playoff time regardless of who he has. So, um, But, yeah, I think Clippers probably are who I'd want the most, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, not scared. Not super scared of Lou Williams. As good as as fun as he is to watch. Sweet Lou. Sweet Lou. All right, I think that's everything we have for today. We've run for almost forty minutes. So, Reed, thank you for coming on. Everybody, have a great week. And we've got four Thunder basketball games this week. And we'll be coming back to you with some previews for those later on in the week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Ben.